Watson. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM. Always streaming live at WKTYsports.com. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening. Hope you're having a killer Wednesday, a killer hump day. Thanks for tuning in and making the show a part of your evening. It was a good night last night for you Wisconsin Badger basketball fans. Like myself, an exciting and really meaningful road win. And I'm, I'm, I'm feeling lucky and feeling excited that we get to talk about that today as we mix it in with some Packers talk. As Green Bay has a short turnaround tomorrow night, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling excited. We finally get a chance to talk some basketball and some good basketball. Uh, Not only are we going to talk that Badgers win from last night because it was huge, and there's a lot of really fascinating nuggets to pull out. Not just the final score and not just, uh, you know, the the splits between the first half or the second half or the box score, but, but things that maybe Badgers fans can be optimistic about. Maybe things that have changed from this year to last year, as ultimately the goal of this year is is to get back to the NCAA tournament, right? The Badgers did that for nearly 20 straight years. And you hope last year that it was the exception and not becoming the new normal of not making the NCAA tournament on a year-by-year basis. So that's the goal, and that's the goal that we're going to work toward all season long and that we're going to talk about on the show all season long as well. A lot of cool things to talk about from last night's win and a lot of feel-good moments as well as this team hopes to get it back on track uh, and charge towards another March Madness this year. Uh, We're going to talk about that, of course. Coming up at 5.30 at the bottom of the hour, I had a chance to sit down uh, last week and talk to head basketball coach at UWL, Coach Kent Dernbach. Now, UWL's got a home game tonight at 7 o'clock as they really get their season underway against Luther College. Now, they're currently at 1-0, but they have really yet to dig into the meat and potatoes part of some of the schedule. They do have a lot of tough non-conference games, including Luther College tonight. So if you're not doing anything, uh, you can head down to Mitchell Fieldhouse. If you are doing anything, cancel your plans. Get down to Mitchell Fieldhouse. Tip is at 7 tonight. I'm going to try to get down there. Wrap up things here at work so I can go take in some basketball. You get to hear some of that conversation that I had with Coach Dernbach last week about a bunch of different things. Well, expectations and things that that maybe we can get excited about seeing from this team this year. Uh, also talking about the WIAC. You, you talk to Coach Schmidt of uh, the football team or Coach Dernbach or anybody who... who coaches athletics at the Division Three level in the WIAC, and they will tell you our league is one of the best in the country. If not, point blank, our league is the best in the country. That's sentiment you hear a lot from coaches uh, in this state and coaching at the Division Three level uh, in the WIAC and in the UW system. So we're going to get to hear about all of that coming up at 530. It's a really good interview, and if you've never had a chance to talk to or hear words from Coach Dernbach, he is, uh, well, he's a character and it's a whole lot of fun. So make sure you're here at 530 for that. And we will also preview a little bit of Packers Seahawks, what we haven't talked about yet. We'll get to that before the show wraps up as well. Some injury updates and some other updates on uh, on what maybe we could be seeing from the Packers in Seattle tomorrow night as they face that vaunted 12th man uh, in that incredibly loud stadium there out there on the West Coast. So Thursday night game, we can get excited for that. Don't forget, you can hear that game on WKTY tomorrow night. You, you We're not carrying uh, the UWL basketball game tonight, so you're not going to be able to hear it. We'll have the Bucks instead as they host Memphis tonight. So still lots of sports to be taken in. But if you were looking to listen to UWL basketball, you're out of luck tonight. Don't worry, we got a lot of coverage on the way. So get down to Mitchell. Uh, take in some basketball tonight. I'll be there uh, as soon as I can after I wrap up stuff at the building here today. 608-796-2558, the number to call or to text. It's the five-star telecom talking text line. That's how you get in touch with me here on the program. And I would love to hear from you today about a bunch of different things. Badger basketball fans, you got to be feeling excited. It it felt last night like something 
<laughs> something that had died had reawakened in me. You, you know that feeling? And, and last year, look, I consider myself to be a diehard Badger basketball fan. I have so many memories in and around that 2015 season as I was was growing up watching this team. One of my first big sports memories of myself watching sports. I, I was with my dad. I'll remember this very clearly. Spent a Saturday morning ice fishing, and then we came inside. And on a Saturday afternoon, it had to be in January or February. It was later on in the winter uh, as the Badgers took on Michigan. And that was the Ben Brust game where he went off, including that half-court buzzer beater to force overtime. You know, the classic, let's play five more minutes in Madison game. That was one of my first big sports memories. And that was part of this this Badger basketball program. And I consider myself to be a huge fan. And I consider myself always ready to get excited and to jump up and down and to yell and to curse and scream during these games. But last year, I didn't really feel that way. And some of you, some of you may have felt the same. I don't think that was myself being a bandwagon fan. Uh, jumping off the bandwagon last year simply because they weren't very good. I still watched the games, still read about the games, still paid attention um, when I was doing my podcast last year. And I still continued to talk about them, follow the team. I just, I didn't have the same, uh, I just didn't have the same zip and pep to quote the office. I, I just, I didn't feel it. And last night I felt something that I haven't felt in a couple of years. And that was, oh my gosh, college basketball is here. I am really excited, and I cannot wait to watch. Big Ten basketball is the best. And as Wisconsin Badger fans, I'm excited about what we saw last night. And on top of it all was Brad Davison. This was a guy last year Badgers fans were introduced to, myself included, and as a gritty, hard-nosed player with a lot of talent, but a guy who gets by on being hard-nosed and gritty and those, those intangibles, the inside the head, the mental stuff, right? including the fact that he had to fight through a shoulder injury, a separated shoulder. Shoulder came out of the socket a couple times during games last year. Had him pop it back in and come back onto the court. I mean, you just don't see stuff like that every day. And and we got that experience last year, and I hope we get to continue to experience Brad Davison. And, and some of you, especially who have enjoyed Badger basketball in the recent years, I'm talking the past five or six years here, Although this is nothing new. Uh, if you've been watching, heck, the entire Bo Ryan era into the Greg Gard era, they're, they're always one player on this Badger team. Whether it was Zach Showalter, you go back even a little bit farther, Josh Gosser was the same player. Th- just the guy who did everything. The hometown kid, maybe he was a walk-on. Zach Showalter started as a walk-on, wasn't a scholarship player. I don't know Josh Gosser's, uh, if he came from humble beginnings. Now, he started more, more games than just about any Badger in history for that team. But, you know, they're, they're not that Zion Williamson player. You know, they're not the Diamond Stone from a couple of years ago. They're not these huge name recruits that are being jostled. They're guys who come up in the Badgers system. They, they kind of personify and exemplify what it is to play Wisconsin Badger basketball, especially under Bo Ryan. And that's being continued under Greg Gard. There's always one guy like that. And that's how Brad Davison feels to me. There was, there was kind of a hole in my heart last year. Uh, Brad Davison excluded. There was no Zach Showalter. There was no Josh Gosser. And I think Brad Davison is the next guy in that lineage of hard-nosed, gritty, defensive-stopping, you know, three-point shooting scorers that this Badgers team has had. And I know I just threw a lot of descriptors uh, out there. Josh Gosser, a guy who played really strong defense. And when his shot wasn't working, he still made himself valuable on the floor by locking guys up on defense, being in the correct time and place, pulling down a rebound here and there, saving a ball as it went out of bounds. You remember that diving play he made to save the ball in the Big Ten championship game? Back in the Badgers' uh, Final Four run in 2015, I remember that play really well. Zach Showalter had a huge game in that Final Four run. 
in uh, what was that? It would have been in 2015 against uh, North Carolina. He was the guy who took over in that game. Gritty, hard-nosed, really good at defense. At some times, maybe a 3 and D player, but a guy who was always there. Really, really tough role-player type of guy. And I think Brad Davison could be that guy. He's that personality. He's that type of player. But man, is he electric. He's got the handles. He's got the shot. He can create for himself, which give all the credit in the world to Josh Gosher and Zach Showalter for the players that they were. That was something they really couldn't do. They couldn't create opportunities offensively for themselves. And that's something we're seeing Brad Davison doing. But he's doing it with the same mentality, the same grit, and the same personality that we have seen players like Josh Gosser and Zach Showalter do so before him. And you can go back all the way through the Bo Ryan era. There's always been players like that at Wisconsin. I'm God, I'm excited to watch him this year. I, I bet you guys are as well. They took down Xavier last night in a game where, for the most part, they dominated. Uh, they they never really relinquished the lead that they jumped out to early. It got tighter at times, but uh, and we'll talk specifics as we after after this first break. There's a couple things I want to talk about. First of all, this win is so much bigger. I know it was two unranked teams, uh, and and the money line was fairly close. The spread was fairly close last night. So this was by no means a huge upset for Wisconsin, uh, but it was by no means a, a, a a pushover game for Wisconsin. It was somewhere in the middle, and, and early on, a road win like this, you got to talk about that. We're going to talk about a couple things, including Ethan Happ, who posted another monster stat line last night. A little bit different than what he did a couple nights ago with the triple-double, a completely different stat line. He took over in a different way. We're going to talk about that. And the perimeter shooting attack of Brad Davison and Demetric Trice was wild. We're going to talk about those two coming up next as well. A lot of UWL, not UWL, a lot of uh, UW-Madison A lot of Wisconsin Badger basketball talk on the way. We will get into some UWL basketball talk before the show is over as well. If you want to hop in, you watched last night's game, something stood out to you. Maybe you're feeling excited, uh, maybe a little reawakened for Badgers basketball like I am today. That's good. I want to hear about it. 608-796-2558, the five-star telecom talking text line. We'll get to that and a whole lot more coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. I'm your host, Grant Bills. You're listening to WKTY. Winding down as Davison loads up and that carries it in, rattles it home, and he gives the JP McCure sign in the aftermath. The dagger last night from Brad Davison as they sink the Xavier Musketeers by a score of 77 to 68. This is the Wisco Sports Show, and it feels appropriate that we're talking Wisconsin Badgers basketballs. They move to 2 0 and get a huge road win last night. More details to come. First, you want to get in touch with the program, you can always do so on the Five Star Telecom Talking Text Line, 608-796-2558. Or you can also reach me and the station on Twitter. Really, really, really easy. You can find me at Keystroker Grant. You can find the station at WKTY. There you go. As Bill Michael says, how are we looking? Lots of ways to get connected. The Badgers did something last night that has not been done in a long time. I know Xavier wasn't ranked. I know the Badgers weren't ranked. Neither one in the top 25, so it's difficult to measure, especially this early on in the season, exactly how good either one of these teams are. But this number speaks for itself. Xavier, last night, had a 41-game non-conference winning streak ended at home. The the, the Xavier Musketeers have not lost to a non-conference team in 41 games. 41 games. That's impressive in and of itself. I I don't care how good the Badgers are this year. I don't care how good Xavier is. That stat is telling. Going on the road in sports is incredibly difficult. It's even more difficult in college sports. You hear that about football all the time. Same thing applies to college basketball, right? Now, in the NFL, I think players are a little bit more consistent. 
they're they're they fall into more of a routine. They're less prone to making mistakes. That's why they're professionals, right? Well, in college, that's not necessarily the case. Players are always prone to make mistakes here and there. And when you compound that by going on the road in a hostile environment, mistakes are even more likely to happen. That's why winning on the road in college is so hard. That's why the Badgers going into Penn State, we heard Zach Heilprin say it on the show either last week or the week before. He said, I know the Badgers are going to lose in, in Happy Valley to Penn State. You just don't go on the road against good teams like that and win. And last night, regardless of how good Xavier is, like I said, or regardless of how good the Badgers are, last night's game in and of itself and last night's win in and of itself is very, very meaningful. A lot of fascinating statistics to pull out of this one. Three players in particular, Hap, Davison, and Trice, who had a nice bounce back game last night uh, after really the previous season being a lost cause for Demetri Trice, mostly due to injuries, but when he did have opportunities to play, he didn't exactly excel. Now, the big three for the Badgers, and I, I say big three reluctantly, but those three players of Hap, Davison, and Trice combined for all of all but six of Wisconsin's points. They scored 71 combined points. The Badgers teamed up to score 77. Now, those other points coming from, let's find them, shall we? Shouldn't be that, shouldn't be that difficult. Four coming from Khalil Iverson and two coming from Kobe King. There you go, the lacrosse product. Chipping in two points when nobody else could score other than Hap, Iverson, and uh, Davison. You got to feel good about that. Not Iverson, excuse me. Uh, Davison, Trice, and Hap combined to score 71 points last night, all but six of uh, the Badgers' points. And and they did so in, in ways that I think shows fans and shows the followers of this team that they are one step farther than they were last year. Each player has taken some improvement. Now, what's crazy, and I didn't realize this watching the game. This is something that was brought to my attention after the game. Brad Davison and Demetri Trice combined to shoot 9 of 11 from the three-point, from behind the three-point line last night. That's absurd, and that's not going to continue. At least, I, I don't expect it to continue. I think they will come back down to, to earth and, and regress towards the mean just a little bit. But last night, those two players' ability. Now, Demetri Trice is, is no longer a freshman or a sophomore. He is now an upperclassman. Brad Davison is now in his second year of college basketball. And I think those guys, well, heck, I, I know 100% for sure, that Brad Davison came into this game and said, I, I don't like what we did last year. And, and you could take that away from post-game interviews with Brad Davison last year. I, I don't like what last year was about. I don't like that we are the first team in almost 20 years to not make the NCAA tournament for this team. I think these guys took that a little bit personally. And I don't know if, if that was pure adrenaline. Might have been pure luck. I don't know. But those two came out last night, and it looked like Demetra Trice was on a mission from the opening tip to say, I am the point guard of this team. I am an, an incredibly large part of this team, and I'm going to be a scorer and a distributor and a player for this team moving forward. I'm not going to be shuffled aside for a younger player or for a player like Brevin Pritzel or Kobe King. This is my team. And I think he came out and proved that a little bit last night. Demetric Trice, let's talk about him for a little while. Like I said, Davison and Trice combined to shoot 9 of 11 from the field, which is impressive in and of itself. Demetric Trice, by himself, shot 7 of 11, 5 of 5 from beyond the three-point line, and 3 of 4 at the free-throw line. That's pretty efficient, all right? You're not missing very many shots, no matter where you are on the floor. He chipped in 22 points and uh, and 5 assists to boot, which is pretty darn fantastic. And, and like I said, I think Demetric Trice came into yesterday's game and said, I know we have a lot of young talent on this team, including Kobe King, Reavers. Other players last year who we saw a little bit. Now, Aleem Ford obviously is injured. But there is a younger contention of Badger players on this team that I think going into this year, we thought 
they got as good a shot as any, right? After what happened last year, after the Demetric Trice debacle, a down year and the injury-ridden year, who knows? Maybe they go to a guy like Kobe King early on in this year. Maybe he will have an expanded role and Demetric Trice will kind of fall off. I think Trice came into last night's game and said, yeah, by the way, I'm not going anywhere. Last year was a blip on the radar and it ends tonight and he was incredibly efficient, chose his shots well, wasn't shooting the ball all over the place, but he was very aggressive. Seven of 11, uh, five of five from deep, like I said, and three of four from the free throw line, which you always like to see. He chipped in 34 minutes last night. And, and Demetri Trice, I'm not calling this a, a comeback game or revenge game. I think it was a reminder game. Let's coin that phrase. That's, that's a new Wisco Sports Show phrase. I think uh, I think that's what Demetri Trice was. It was a reminder game last night that he's not going anywhere. And yes, we have some nice, nice youth on this team. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, but my time's not done yet. And I think that was a little bit of a reminder game last night from Demetri Trice. Moving on to Brad Davison. I know we talked about him uh, in, the, in the previous 10 minutes, just a, about his, his personality and I think how, how much fun he is to watch and how he fits what Wisconsin basketball has been under Bo Ryan for the last 20 years and now under Greg Gard, as there's not a huge difference in the way this team is constructed and, and run. Brad Davison, yeah, is, is really fun to watch. But he balled out last night. Brad Davison chipped in 19 points. He shot four of six from the three-point line, including that dagger that you heard to start this segment. And then not only, and, and I retweeted this video last night, I believe Fox College Basketball or some account tweeted this out after Brad Davison hit that three. You can follow me at Keystroker Grant. Gave the Gator Chomp clap, just like, if you remember, Badgers fans, J.P. McKeera did for the Badgers, or against the Badgers in the Cole Center last year when Xavier came in and upset them. Team's got a little bit of a history, a little little chippy, and uh, and Ethan Happ said as much in his post game press conference. We'll talk about Happ in a moment. Brad Davison, I think, took this game personally and is going to take this season personally, to be completely honest, because I think much like Demetric Trice, he feels last year was he was bogged down and bothered by injuries, although he treated it almost like a gnat flying around his face as a nuisance as he pushed through that shoulder injury to really put together an impressive freshman campaign. Last night, like I said, chipping in 19 points, going four of six from beyond the three-point arc, including that huge three to salt the game away. Uh, four of six, or not four of six, excuse me, one of two from the free throw line. Didn't get to the free throw line a whole lot. Uh, didn't get fouled a whole lot. Those guys had room to work around the perimeter and didn't really have to drive super hard into the paint. More than half of Davison's points coming from behind that three-point arc. And I think that's going to be a theme as long as Ethan Happ keeps up the clip that he's playing at. He's been unstoppable last night. 30 points, 13 rebounds, and five assists to add in. And like I said, we're no stranger to impressive Ethan Happ stat lines. We saw it in their opener against, I don't know who they played, ITT Tech or whoever. It's not, it's not important. It's not on my radar. Whatever pushover game they opened up the year with, Ethan Happ posted a triple-double. And I think last night we saw a different game from Ethan Happ. Game one, we saw Ethan Happ, he can do a little bit of everything. Last night proved, and it's only one game, it's a small sample size, but the proof is in last night's game that Ethan Happ can take over and he can be a leading scorer on a team. You need me to go out and get 30? All right, I'll do it. You need me to do it in a hostile environment against a chippy team that we've gone back and forth with over the years? All right, I'll do it. And Ethan Happ came out and and proved that he can carry the scoring load for this team on a night where Reavers didn't score, one of the stars didn't score. Khalil Iverson only added four points. Heck, only four rebounds. Khalil Iverson hardly impressive last night. Ethan Happ said, I can take over. I've been here long enough. I'm no stranger to college basketball. No stranger to hostile environments and big games early on in the season. Let me go out and get 30. He did exactly that. The most impressive thing and and the difficult thing for opposing teams against Ethan Happ is is how do you play against him? Do you double team him? And we've seen Ethan Happ be almost unstoppable in 1v1 matchups. Heck, Jay Billis sending out a tweet last night uh, about how his footwork is so impressive. You give him an inch on the baseline, he's going to take a mile. He's going to squeeze through 
and wrap it up around the backside. We've seen that move. Ethan Happ's so good at sneaking, uh, using a spin move to sneak along the baseline, having good touch around the rim, taking as many steps, as many dribbles as he needs to establish himself in the paint and to get points the old-fashioned way, two at a time, right at the block. Ethan Happ is a master of playing one-on-one basketball underneath the hoop. So naturally, teams are going to start to double him. The problem is for Xavier and the problem for competition and and uh, Big Ten foes, especially this year against the Badgers, is going to be how do, how do we defend Ethan Happ? Do we let him score 30 and leave him in single coverage down low? Or do we send a double? The problem will come is when, <laughs> when Brad Davison is shooting four for six from behind the three-point arc. And Demetri Trice is five for five, shooting 100% from deep. You cannot afford to send multiple guys because the way the Badgers play in their swing offense, they will swing the ball and pass the ball to find the open man. It's like a set of dominoes. Once that first player comes into double Ethan Happ, well, now one man is open. Let's get the ball moving and and the pass, the ball's just going to move, 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 and the defense is now playing catch up. Like dominoes falling, tick, tick, tick. Eventually, you're just going to find the open man and they're going to take the shot. And if the Badgers shoot like they did last night, that's a big if. I do think there was something in the air last night in Cincinnati at Xavier with the way that their two guards were shooting the basketball. But if they can keep that up in, in any fashion or any semblance of what they did last night, teams are going to be faced with a really difficult decision. Do we try to take Ethan Happ out of the game? Or do we let Ethan Happ go to town and make sure that Davison and Trice aren't allowed to shoot at will from behind the three-point line? It's an interesting question, and it's a strategy that we're going to have to pay attention to when the Badgers do begin to play the likes of teams like Michigan and Michigan State and Maryland, and Ohio State. Penn State has been good the last couple of years. Some good competition, even even in the conference in Nebraska or Iowa. How do these Big Ten foes, when we do get to conference play, how do these foes handle the Badgers? Are they going to let Ethan Happ run wild and deal with the consequences, or are they going to try to take a more balanced approach? We'll see. It'll be really fun to watch, and I can't wait to see what all these players are able to do. I know we're only two games in. The Badgers have yet to beat a ranked opponent, but last night's win was monumental in the fact that the Badgers now move to 2-0, pick up a huge road win, and just confidence, I think, more so than anything, is what the Badger fans, and Badger fans, like I said, me and the Badger players picked up last night. Uh, A lot of smiles after that game, which was good after a frustrating campaign last year in 2017. When we come back, we're going to continue on the basketball talk, but we're going to move to a different college. We're going to move from UW-Madison to UW-Lacrosse. A nice conversation with Coach Kent Dernbach as they prepare to take down uh, hopefully take down, take on Luther College at Mitchell Fieldhouse tonight at 7 o'clock. If you're planning on getting down here, you're going to want to hear this. And if you're not going to the game tonight, you're just a UWL basketball fan, you're going to want to hear it anyways. Make sure you're not going anywhere. We'll be right back here on the Wisco Sports Show. I am your host, Grant Bills. You're listening to WKTY. <laughs> The Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY, both at 96.7 FM, 5.80 AM, streaming live at WKTYsports.com and on our mobile app, which if you've not downloaded yet, go ahead and pull the trigger. An easy way to take us with you and all of our programming wherever you may be, even if it's outside the listening area. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Hope you're having a fantastic Wednesday night, and it's an exciting Wednesday night for me. We're talking basketball, just wrapped up talking little Badgers basketball. They get a huge win last night, just to put it into context. Because it's tough to get context. Badgers aren't ranked. Uh, Xavier's not ranked. We don't really know because it's so early. Maybe how good or how bad either one of these teams could be come March and April at the end of the season. But one thing uh, that stuck out to me, the Badgers ended a 41-game 
not her non-conference winning streak for Xavier last night. Hadn't lost at home to a non-conference team in 41 games. And that in and of itself, I, I think, says something really, really significant. Speaking of significance, uh, UWL Eagles, the men's basketball team taking on Luther College at Mitchell Hall tonight. 7 o'clock tip. I'm going to try to be there, wrap up all my work here at the building and sprint down there, uh, make a mad dash down to Mitchell Hall. I had an opportunity last week doing some podcast work to sit down with head coach Kent Dernbach, his first season not being the interim head coach. And it was fascinating to get his perspective on a lot of things. Now, one of the first things we talked about, and and this won't surprise you if you're a listener of of any content, whether it's UWL football, UWL basketball, any UWL sports that are covered here on WKTY, especially if you listen to Coach Schmidt during Eye on the Eagles Wednesday afternoons, the quality of athletes and coaches and play in the WIAC is far and away up there in terms of the rest of the country. I mean, the, the WIAC is always tremendous. Basketball, football, it doesn't matter. It's one of the best Division three athletic conferences in the country. So I got to talk to Coach Dernbach a little bit about that and maybe how the conference would shape up this year. This is was his response. The league is... Uh, um is as good as it's probably been in at least 15 years. So um, last year, um, we had three teams in, four teams um, should have gotten in, and then we return our top three um, player of the year vote getters, right? So the top three guys that were that were voted for player of the year return, plus 20 out of the 27 all-conference players. So when when I say it is the best league in the country, it's without a doubt. It's it, uh, it's great. But it's what, it's what I signed up for. It's what our staff signed up for and our players is to play in this type of league. It just so happens that this year it's, it's going to be really, really special. You can't make it through a UWL football conversation, a UWL basketball conversation. You cannot have a discussion with any of these coaches without them heaping praise on the WIAC. The WIAC is always tremendous. You heard all those playoff teams uh, out of the WIAC last year. He's saying we should have had more playoff teams out of the WIAC this year. And that's only going to continue to be the trend throughout Coach Dernbach's tenure uh, as the head coach of the UWL Eagles. And I, and we asked him, I, I asked him, Coach, why is that the case? You know, as somebody who who doesn't coach and, and isn't involved heavily in athletics at the Division three level and in the UW system, why is the WIAC always so good? Because we've been hearing about it forever. Well, there's a couple things. One is we don't have an, an influx of Division twos right, in the area. And we do have really, really good high school coaches. Um that in uh, and, and that can that's true in other states too, but but certainly because I've been to the East Coast, right? I've I've lived in like five different states. Like I I can say that Wisconsin basketball is is really really good when it comes to high school coaches and their preparation. I mean, there's high school coaches that treat their their programs as college you know as college programs. I mean, heck, we have we have some great ones right here right right here locally. Right. I mean, I mean really I mean just based about every single program and their coaches treat their program um, that way. But there's a couple things that are certainly an advantage for us and that's one where we have um, we're still relatively affordable, you know, to go to with our sticker, right? What the sticker yeah. cost is. Now, um, you know, private schools will say, well, we can't compete with those public institutions. And we're like, no, if, if, if it's 15, six to go here, or whatever it is, that's what it costs to go here. That's what every member of our team is paying, right? We, there, you know, to get a thousand dollar scholarship, you need a 30 ACT and a four O GPA. And it still doesn't get like whatever 
whatever the the cost is to go to UBL, that's what our guys pay compared to you know at some some uh, at, at a smaller private institution. You know they might say it's forty thousand, but they can get it even less than us, right? So, but some of it certainly is that. And the other thing is you know our our size. You know that we're able to have every you know every one of our campuses is over seven thousand students, and um, so when you combine all that. Um, and, and it has the great tradition in history, right, where although there might be a Division II program that's five hours away, can take those kids initially or offer scholarships, we're still able to keep enough kids at home, you know, in the state. So it's not one thing. Now, it is becoming harder and harder to keep those kids, you know, in the state because there's Division IIs that will offer 500 or $1,000, and it's just the prestige of being a, having a scholarship institute, going to a scholarship. But what we try to do is we try to identify guys, hey, they're scholarship-level players. Maybe they don't have a scholarship right now. You know, I'll use Ethan Anderson, for example, kid from Black River Falls. You know, he, we told him in, in October, November, Ethan, you're going to get offered a scholarship. He's a freshman for us this year. You're going to get offered a scholarship um, in February or in March. And our job is between now and then that we get to know you well enough. When that scholarship comes, you're just not going to take and run it with it, right? But you need to get to know him and their family. Mom and dad sometimes even more important than the, than the young man. And we've got a real good feeling that Ethan wasn't going to just take that scholarship and run. And he got it. He got two full rides. And he said no to both those. Think about that. Full rides. So you're talking about $25,000, tuition, ruin board, everything, at two, two places, and he said no to those, and he decided to come to UW Lacrosse. Now, does that mean that he's going to be a great player here? We think he's going to be, right? Does that mean that we guaranteed him playing time? No, we didn't guarantee him anything, right? He just believed in what we were building, and and we believed in him, and and he is going to be a good player for us. Now, when that happens, I have no idea. I hope it's sooner rather than later. But but again, that's that that's what it takes to compete in our league, and we're not the only school that does that. All, all uh, the other seven teams in our conference have to be able to do that if we're going to be able to compete in our league. Fascinating insight here on the Wisco Sports Show from Coach Kent Dernbach, head coach. First year, not being an interim head coach, but a legitimate head coach for your UWL men's Eagles basketball team and how he goes about recruiting a guy who's had a lot of stops at different programs, both as a player and as a coach. How do you go about recruiting? And one of the most fascinating uh, answers and some of the most fascinating content that I got out of coach when I had an opportunity to sit down and to talk about a couple of things was how do you approach recruiting from a standpoint here in lacrosse, right? Obviously, this is a Division One or Division Three, excuse me, university. How do you tell a player, don't go to Duluth, don't get a small scholarship at Duluth, or don't go to a private institution maybe down near Milwaukee or in Iowa? Come to UWL for no money. That's a, that's not an easy sell, right? For no money. Come play for us for free. How do you go about convincing or, or, or trying to tell a player and, and how do you pitch to them uh, the, the program here at UWL? We don't convince anybody. We just try to identify guys that we they might have the financial means to stay home or there's some sort of connection that they want to stay you know, in the state. So it's not a convincing. You can't convince somebody to turn down $120,000, right? There has to be something, something else, um, something else there. But, you know, at Northern Illinois, our job was to not get Mayak level players. Our job was to get, at that time, Missouri Valley and, and um, uh, you know, pick off maybe a BCS, right? Uh, a Power Five, you know, conference level player, right? When you're at the Division Two level, 
really good Division II schools, you're trying to get Division I transfers or a Division I player. So it's all kind of relative. The thing with us that we that we have to do is you have to find out what what families and and players, prospective student athletes, will not jump at a bad scholarship just to say that they're on scholarship. You know, that's that's probably the biggest difference between um, our level and a scholarship level is it takes a lot longer to try to figure that stuff out. A lot of strategy and a lot of nuance into recruiting players to a Division three university and trying to put together a talented roster in the midst of not only other good Division three programs, and he did say earlier on in the interview, look, we don't have an influx of D- Division twos who can provide scholarships and who can provide incentives for players to come play. There are plenty of those over on the other side of the border, across the river in Minnesota, down in Iowa, or towards Milwaukee. But right here, you're convincing players, talented players who may have other options with monetary incentives to come play for free here at UWL. And that's no easy task and some really interesting insight from Coach Dernbach. I, I And finally, to wrap up the interview and to really get down to brass tacks uh, for all intents and purposes... For UWL basketball fans, maybe fans who have been around for years and seen other head coaches, or maybe fans who are just buying in this year, and this will be their first experience with UWL basketball, what can we expect? What kind of things can we expect to see from the teams and the players? What what kind of personality or or nuance or tendencies might we see from this team as we settle in for a a good season here of UWL basketball coming up? You know, prior to the conference play, we're going to finish with probably a top 10 strength of schedule. Um... You know, in the country, so we're going to be we're going to be tested early and often. You know, uh, with that, but but we're a team that again is we have to be able to win um, win games on the defensive side, and you're gonna you're gonna see a team that's gonna compete their butt off on the defensive end and and lay out and play themselves to exhaustion on that side of the floor and on the offensive end where we can we can pass catch and shoot it with five guys. Like we we showed glimpses of that last year, and we. Um, we uh, were in some really, really tight contests. You know, you think about it, um, you know, for people that are just starting to follow us or start, follow us last year, we went, you know, from having Talbot McCray, Brendan Manning, um, um, Tanner Brooks, and, and uh, the, the kind of the host of the five men that started there for us. None of them played over 175 minutes the previous year. And last year for us, just about all of them played over 700 minutes. So you think about that, the jump that they had to take. And then uh, in our 27 uh, or 26 games that we played, you know, we um, 12 of those games were decided by five points or less. And we went six and six in those contests. Now, what does it take to go nine and three in those contests? And that's what we have to be able to, that's what I have to figure out. I have to do a better job that we can close out those games, but I need to make sure that we're in those games too. Right, because we have the same group coming back. They're experienced. They're more hungry. Right, but our core group are still those same young men that were with us, you know, last year, and they've become better. But you know what? So has Stevens Point, and so has River Falls, and Whitewater, and and Oshkosh, and Platteville, and Stout, and and Eau Claire. All those teams have become better too. So we're we're just not going to be better because we're a year older. Everybody else is a year older. You know as well. So first of all, we need to make sure we put ourselves in a position to to win those games, like we did last year on a consistent basis. And and then now, can we can we pull those out? And um, and that's what we're striving for. But again, first of all, we need to make sure that we are we're just as hungry. You know, last year we were in a foxhole, right? I came over um, 
as the interim, living out of a one-bedroom apartment, not seeing my wife and kids for for you know one day out of. I mean, I'd see them one out of every seven days for a total of six hours. You know, whatever it is. Um, you know, those guys that didn't play much as sophomores, those young men that I mentioned, they felt they're in a foxhole. It was their time to prove themselves, right? To come out that I'm a good enough player in this league. We were disrespected. We we're picked seventh in our league. And we had all of this, we had a huge chip on our shoulder, right? A good chip, meaning like we had something to prove. And because of that, we, we might have. I don't want to say we overachieved, but we're, at times we were playing good basketball at a much earlier segment in the season than maybe what I or anybody else probably anticipated, right? Well, we were there. Um, and now we have to make sure we have the same mentality because it's the same group, right? It's the same coaching staff. It's the same group. And and our schedule is just as good. Our league is just as good. And we have to make sure we have the same fight. So that's that's the number one question that I have right now You know, for our group. Are we going to have it? I believe we do, right? We're making steps to it. But but it's a very thin line between between winning and losing basketball games when you're playing in this league. Always coming back to the WIAC and the competitiveness of the league and everything bases on the league because you are only as good as your ability to compete with the teams uh, around you and in your conference, teams that you're seeing multiple times a year. By the way, that interview with UWL basketball coach Kent Dernbach, you can find the entire thing on my on my Twitter feed, on my Twitter account, at Keystroker Grant. It's part of a podcast I do every week with two of the best photojournalists in town over at WKPT, CBS News, Nate Myhock and Ryan Giannone. There's a lot more to that interview. And if you are a UWL basketball fan or you're trying to become a UWL basketball fan, that'll do the trick. Head over to my, uh, my Twitter feed, at Keystroker Grant, and you can find all of that really good content there because there's a little more personality. There's a little bit uh, of other of other, well, I'll say personality in that interview that you didn't get to hear in the short time that we got to share with Coach. So make sure if you have no plans tonight, if you have plans, cancel them. Get to Mitchell Fieldhouse. The UWL Eagles take on the Luther Norse at 7 o'clock tonight. I'm going to try to get there as soon as I can, and we can see these uh, these Eagles hopefully move to 2-0 on their early season. Some tough opponents early, uh, but I think the boys are up for it. I'm excited to watch. When we come back here on the Wisco Sports Show, Packers Seahawks, how could we forget? That game's going on tomorrow, an early turnaround for the green and gold, and for us here on the Wisco Sports Show, is now we got to, uh, I got to fill you in on on who's in, who's out, what we know so far, and uh, what I am just absolutely dreading about Thursday night, and it happens every time the Packers go to Seattle, and it will happen until the day I die. I'll tell you about it coming up as we wrap up the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. Wrapping up the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY, I am your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for sharing a little bit of your Wednesday evening with me. Before we wrap up the show, it's hard to believe we have not even touched on the Green Bay Packers and their upcoming matchup with the Seattle Seahawks tomorrow night, which, by the way, you can hear right here on WKTY, of course, pregame at 5 o'clock. The game gets underway at about a little after 7 and then a lot of Packers OT with Greg Matzik and Mark Tauscher after. I'll be up for all of it, and I'll be hopping on Facebook Live tomorrow night at some point as well. I don't know when, but at some point I'm going to hop on, uh, and we can have a little discussion or a rant or a celebration. Who knows how tomorrow night's going to go. Uh, one thing we do know about tomorrow night is the final injury reports. Those came out just uh, just right after uh, the show began today. We do know for sure a couple players are out. That is Randall Cobb, Kevin King, Nick Perry and Kentrell Bryce, they're not even traveling with the team. That's been established. We do have a couple questionable players, including Bashad Breland with that groin injury. Uh, Blake Martinez with that ankle injury, which, to be completely honest, looked 
season ending last week. The fact that he came into last week's game, let alone is going to play this week, is is, is bewildering to me and, and almost sort of impressive. Uh, the one theme, the one common theme for both the Packers injury reports and the Seattle injury reports, and this is a common theme of every Thursday night game, is the extensive or the injury reports are extensive. They're very long. Both teams have uh, double-digit players, both questionable, doubtful, out in, what have you. A lot of players being mentioned in injury reports, and that's a theme of these quick turnarounds on Thursday nights. And it's something that happens every year, and I always kind of laugh. Because when it's your team's turn to play on Thursday night, it's the worst thing in the world, right? We need to get rid of Thursday night games. You know, these need to be done away with. They're bad for player safety. It's a bad product. When your team is on the field on Thursday night, that becomes the case. Every other week of the year, I'm, I'm sitting at home on Tuesday night and I'm tapping the table going, okay, when's the next football game? Okay, Thursday night, good. <laughs> like, we are so hypocritical when it comes to Thursday night football. I'm willing to admit it. Maybe you're not or maybe you do feel differently, but that's the trend I see every single year. Nobody has a problem with Thursday night football until it comes their time to have their team be put through a short week and, and fight with those injuries and that quick turnaround. Just just something funny. Um, because that's me every week. On Tuesday, I'm not saying, God, we got, a, got an NFL game in two nights? Come on. I'm saying, man, I wish there was some football on to watch. And maybe that'll change now with, with the bringing back of college basketball and as the NBA gets more serious. But that's what I notice about Thursday night football. A lot of injuries, but nobody seems to complain about it until it's their team. And it never seems to become a talking point until it's their team. Which is... Uh, a little bit hypocritical on us as sports fans, but there's a little bit of room for hypocrisy in sports fandom. Uh, I think we're all human there. A couple of other things. Tony Carrenti uh, will be the official on Thursday night in Seattle. The official who threw the flag on the Kirk Cousins play, which Vikings fans come at me anytime, anywhere, took a game away from the Green Bay Packers in week two. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm not saying it's the first time that it's ever happened in the NFL, but that's what happened. Can we can we be can we be honest with each other? Now, after that point, both teams had opportunities to win the game. I'm, I'm not saying that that didn't happen. I'm not saying that the Vikings kicker didn't miss kicks. That 100% happened. I'm not saying that Aaron Rodgers and that offense stalled in opportunities. They had to win that game at home. But Tony Carrenti, for all intents and purposes, in that time, in that place, late in the fourth quarter, on that August or September afternoon, whatever month it was, it was so long ago now, or at least it feels like it, that game was taken away from the Green Bay Packers by Tony Carrenti. He will be the official uh, tomorrow night in Seattle where the Packers are no stranger to just horrible officiating. And if something, God forbid, and I tweeted about this, if you follow me at Keystroker Grant, you know this very well. If something happens tomorrow night, officiating-wise, that's a little fishy, or that is blatantly obvious, where the Packers, once again, get screwed on a call in Seattle. I am going to lose my mind. And it might be funny on air. We'll see if I'm still that mad on Monday when we have the next Wisco Sports Show because there will be no show tomorrow due to the Packer game and on Friday because Zach Heilprin and the boys are taking over on the roundtable show. I'm going to lose my mind. I, I might lose it. I'm being 100% honest. And those of you who follow me on Twitter will get front row seats to whatever goes on down tomorrow night. And I'm already dreading this game. I hate when the Packers play in Seattle because I have so many poor memories of games in Seattle in my lifetime. And you know the flashback. Like, like you know ESPN or, or excuse me, Fox is going to be all over that, right? Like, Packers fans, we need to prepare ourselves for all the flashbacks, not only to the Fail Mary game, which, by the way, I refuse to watch highlights of that game. Uh, that, that Nothing makes me more upset than that game, except for maybe the game in 2014 when the Packers pissed right down their leg and blew a double-digit fourth-quarter lead. 
Take the fake field goal. Take Brandon Bostic. Take Morgan Burnett sliding after an interception that should have sealed the game. How many things? You can count them up. How many ways the Packers pissed down their own leg in that game? And we're going to see flashback after flashback after flashback tomorrow night. And I'm dreading it. I take you back. For those of you who are watching the Duke-Kentucky game that opened up the college basketball season just a week or two ago, when they were talking about Tyus Jones and then this Jones pipeline through Duke, and showing the flashbacks of the 2015 National Championship game where the Badgers had an eight-point lead with four minutes to play, five minutes to play. And they blew that. And we had to look at flashbacks of that. It's going to be a big rehash tomorrow night. And it's going to be tough on me. But luckily, we will get to uh, get to chat a little bit tomorrow night on Facebook Live. So we'll get to break it down tomorrow night. If the Packers get hosed, if something happens, a la the fail Mary or a la week two against the Vikings and Tony Carrenti with the roughing the passer call, I'm going to lose my mind. And you can have a front row seat to it tomorrow night if you want to tune in. Go like our Facebook page, WKTY, uh, and, and you can... You can chime in. You can be a part of those Facebook live chats. They're quite fun, and I enjoy doing them each and every week. Tonight, we have coverage of the Bucks game. That game, uh, the pregame will get started at about 6.30, just about a half hour after we say goodbye. And uh, the, the game will start shortly around 7 o'clock. So no UWL basketball coverage. They are playing at Mitchell Hall, should you want to go down there and check out that game. That tip-off is at 7 o'clock. Good show today. A lot of basketball talk. It's good to be able to talk a little hardwood and a little basketball as well. So no Wisco Sports Show tomorrow, giving way to the Packers pregame. And no Sports Show on Friday. We'll have Halpern and the boys on the Badger Roundtable Show. So I will talk to you next Monday. Have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy all the sports action. I can't wait to talk to you next week.